There is more to life than politics. Thank God. I like that one. There's more to life than money. There's more to life than the daily grind. There's more to life than doing what everyone else is doing. There's more to life than bare-ass minimum relationships. That was a talk we just had just recently. That was a good one. Uh, there's more to life than what's on the surface. There's more to life than money. That's two for money. There's more to life than what others think. There's more to life than football, but here it comes anyway. There's more to life than just today. There's more to life than arguing about stupid shit. That's a good one. <laughs> Anybody had that argument today? Uh, there's more to life than work. There's more to life than what other people think of you. Did I say that one already? Maybe. Okay. So I just want to remind you guys, like, we're all living this gift of life. We're all extremely distracted people. Like, I labeled us a while back, instead of homo sapiens, homo distractus. Um, we're all living this gift of life, and we've got so much in common, but there's more distance between us than ever before. It's crazy. And so to be, over to, be able to overlap, to be able to connect, to be able to listen, to be able to share, to be able to receive, like, almost the same kind of talk and then to be able to like go out with friends afterwards or connect with people later on or carry on a discussion that takes a tangent from the talk this evening, that's, that's a rare gift in our world nowadays. I was just talking with someone about space in your home. We were talking about homes and whether or not like this person should buy a bigger house that has more space and they were leaning towards buying a house that has less space because they believed the more space was gonna create a family dynamic that they didn't want to have. And the problem was they might not see each other enough in the bigger house. I thought it was super interesting. We've created this space, hopefully, so locals can come here, they can carve out the time, and they can literally say, all right, this is an hour, I can get some yummy food, I can reflect, I can consider, I can hear something and be challenged. Hopefully it's something inspirational. Hopefully it's something good for you to take away. That's what this space is for. And we keep getting more and more people asking, so hopefully if you're asked, you can throw that verbiage to it. Throw, the, throw those words on it, grab a card and give it to someone else and let them know that this place exists and that it's here and that it's consistent twice a month, twice a month. Hopefully you'll hear something good. Now, with that said, one of the things that we do share in common is the quest for passion. Living a passionate life. Trying to figure out what the hell that means sometimes is honestly like the hardest thing in the world. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Serendipity. It's a romantic flick. It's back. It's got John Cusack in it, so I like him. But. <laughs> He was in Better Off Dead. Anybody seen that one? Ooh, Better Off Dead. Yes. Okay, anyway. If you haven't seen Better Off Dead, you should honestly see that movie. It's a good one. But anyway, getting back to serendipity, there's this quote from that movie. This guy says, did you know that the Greeks didn't write obituaries? He said, at the end of someone's life, they simply asked one question. And the one question was, did he or she live with passion? That was the one question 
they asked about a person's entire existence. Now, regardless if that's true or not, I'm just throwing the quote out to you, right? I have no clue if the Greeks did that or not. I think it's very hard to discover sometimes <laughs> if that's actually true. Does it have any real basis? But passion. Had a conversation about a week and a half ago with someone, and we were sitting down and we were asking that question. And he just looked at me and said, I have no clue what I'm passionate about. I don't even know if I have any passions. I don't even know what I care about. And I looked across the table and I said, you're not alone. The majority of people haven't ever stopped to consider what they're passionate about. They haven't like slowed down enough to say like, all right, do I have any passions? What are they? All we know is we're convinced that we should be living a passionate life. And we're told that like we should be connected to that somehow. And if we feel like we're not, there's kind of a little bit of a problem there. And that's okay. That's all right. So I want to ask you guys just really quickly, the word passion, what does that even bring up for you? What do you think about when you hear that word? Engaged and you can't even help it. Wholehearted living. All right, those are all good words. Do you hear these? Like wholehearted, engaged. It's almost out of your control. Like you can't even help it. Okay. Any other words? Passion or passionate living. Believe in it entirely. You're just going for it. Nice. You live it. You live it. You do it. It's all, all encompassing. Nice. All encompassing. Any other words? No pressure. You don't have to have one. I'm just curious. Sometimes I think it when people say, I, I need a passion. You're like, gosh, they put so much pressure on themselves. <laughs> right? You can, for sure. Yeah. You can, for sure. Ann and I were just having a conversation. She worked at this camp when she was growing up. And what, what age were you? Probably 19. 19. 19. And she had another peer look at her and say, what are you passionate about? And she just felt like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm 19. Am I supposed to have that figured out? <laughs> like, like uh, pressure, pressure. It was like one of those moments. Like, what do you do? No, go. Is it weird to say that like you've always known what you're passionate about and that's what scares you? So like, so when, like maybe I should be passionate about something else. Something else. Maybe I've got it wrong. Yeah. Cuz I don't feel passionate about like what I'm already doing. Or and like I would love to expand the word passion because some of you are already putting it in a corner. Um, like we tend to do that with our minds pretty easily. So passion should be a little bit more broad than job, career, relationships, dreams, like hobbies. Like this is an all-encompassing word. This is a very big, expansive, broad term, passion. And we're gonna kind of chase this down. When I sat down and I thought about the word passion, I had like interesting words come to my mind. I had true happiness, fulfillment, Excitement, intensity, meaning, exhilaration. All of these words came to mind for me when I was thinking about passion. Now, this talk tonight is titled One Foot in Front of the Other, mainly because I want you to get the idea that discovering your passion 
is a process, and it's probably a long one, and that's okay. That's all right. It can be a long, arduous, like drawn out process, which you like enter into slowly, patiently, and you have to consider, and you have to take time to figure this out. I even think it takes a lot of just years of living. Like you're going through life and you're figuring out sometimes not what you're passionate about. Sometimes you're figuring out what you're not passionate about, right? Like I literally said across the table from that guy when he said, I'm clueless and I have no clue what I'm doing or, or what my passions are. And I said, that's not entirely true. Like I think you know honestly more than you do. And let's just start with the fact that you probably know what you're not passionate about. What if we sit down and begin with that list? And then you can probably fill a whole paper, like a whole pad of paper, like with that list, right? You can just nail it down fast. But this idea of one foot in front of the other, I don't think you sit down in a morning, in a day, and you figure out what you're passionate about. Despite like all catchy book titles, or like instant gratification culture, or like what we've been conditioned to do, you're not gonna get there that quickly. It's not gonna happen for you. So over the course of tonight, over the course of next week, I'm hopefully gonna give you guys some ideas about how you can figure out what those passions are. And I love what you said, like that the hard process I think about passions are that they're already in you and you've probably paid attention to them, you might have even ignored them, right? And you might have put them off to the side because they didn't make sense. Maybe they didn't fit with the picture that you were like told you should go for. Sometimes though, like those passions are already there and accessing your heart isn't an easy thing to do, right? Sometimes they get buried pretty, pretty dang deep. So we're going to talk about that. But first of all, I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary. You can still do that. You don't have to use Google. Um, here's what Webster says about passion. A strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. Second, a strong feeling that causes you to act in a dangerous way. That's pretty cool. I like that one personally. Like, I think that one's red. Um, third one, uh, strong feelings of love or hate, right? Passion can go both of those directions. Now, I did a little bit of research, and I was trying to figure out, you know, I'm not a linguistic major. I don't, I don't have any kind of, like, education going that route. So I was just digging around, trying to poke around about this word passion. Apparently, it has Latin roots. I don't even know how to pronounce the word, but it's P-A-S-S-I-O. Anybody speak Latin? Want to throw it out there? No? All right. Dead language. Uh, pass, passio. Let's call it passio. Passio literally means suffering. I know that none of you said suffering when I said what comes to mind with passion. The truth is, our modern day use of the word passion has very little connection or little to do with its initial uses, with its origins. Here's some definitions I've found that are kind of linked back, okay? An external force 
that makes you do something or in some way to suffer. Moved to action when there is pain or suffering. Passion is engaging in an intense desire to the point where it hurts. We are pushed along by a desire to a point that we are willing to endure pain, suffering, and loss for the object, which is the focus of our attention. As I was digging around and trying to look up the word passion more and more, I came across several readings and several teachings that said at the core of passion is suffering. It's the core of passion. Wherever you're going to find passion, suffering will be there too. They're holding hands. They sleep together. They're like buds. They're always tight. Suffering and passion linked together. Now, I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't think that was very cool. And I was trying to think like, well, how can I talk about this in a good way then? Because when we think about passion, we kind of get excited. But at the core of it is this idea of suffering. So I started thinking about all the heroes in the world, be, be it real, be it fiction, your favorite story, your favorite movie. And you start pulling out people that you feel like lived passionately. And they chased after it. And they went after it against all odds. And I started thinking about the stories that came to mind for me, and there was always suffering involved. And honestly, the majority of those people that I kind of put up on that pedestal, I look at what they accomplished, and I stand in awe of the life they lived, what they did, the values they had, the way that they just put themselves in the world was extraordinary. But the idea of sacrifice came to mind every time. And when I weighed it out, I was like, nope. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Like, lots of people love to throw Mother Teresa out there. Right? And they look at what she did. She clearly had passion to take care of dying people, people who were marginalized, outcasts of society. But then you look at her life and what she went through, and what she had to give up, and the true suffering that she endured. And I say, don't sign me up. Like, I don't know that I want to go down that same path. I don't know that I could do that. Suffering and passion, they're linked. They're together. We talked a long time ago about living a good story. And I threw this out there that every story, you can pretty much sum up this way. There's a character. That character wants something. And that character overcomes conflict to get the something. That pretty much sums up every movie you've seen ever. That's what it is. Like, there's a character, and they want something. And, and they desperately overcome the conflict that's in front of them, the obstacles, the struggles, to get that something. We're going to talk next week about what to want and the fact that maybe what we want needs to be better. I'm just throwing that out there now just as a little teaser. Because like none of us will go watch a movie where there's like a guy who desperately wants to buy a car, and in the end he does, right? Like that's the movie you won't pay for. It's so compelling. It's moving. 
it's not the kind of movie we want. And just to like put it out there, like next week I want to talk about like what is it that we want? Like when we start looking at like the various hats in life that we already wear, the places that you find yourself in, what is it that you want in that area of your life? Because then we can start talking about some of those passions. But I'm going to frame it a different way tonight. But I want you to think about a character wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. I'm going to try and change it just a little bit. And I'm going to say, you're a character. You're in your story. And you have a noble distraction, a noble desire. And you will engage in suffering because of it. You will. You will most likely 100% engage in suffering. Now, I believe your story is larger than you. I mean, if any of you have talked with me one-on-one outside of here, you're like, oh, yeah, Phil believes in like a big, large story, an epic saga like that everybody's a part of. And everything that I could read about passion said that if you don't, understand and see yourself in terms of a bigger story, you might not connect to your passion. Because almost always, your passion is going to pull you outside of yourself, and it's going to be for other people around you somehow, in some way. It's going to be used for that. You might not see it at the beginning, but it goes there eventually. So if you're thinking about yourself as a character, You've got a noble desire. You might not know what it is. That's okay. And you will engage in suffering. What I would have you do is this. You think about your life and you frame it in terms of pivotal points. Pivotal points being there's this moment in your life when you know you'll never be the same. And you have lots of them. Like you enter into this period and you know from this point forward you realize more about who you are or more about the world in general and things change. I call them pivotal points. Somebody else I was reading called, called them positive and negative turns in your story, right? And you have a lot of them. They gauge and say, by the time you turn 30, on average, you've had 12 of them. If you're older, probably had more. If you're younger, you've probably had less. But you could probably identify 12 pivotal points in your story that were either positive or negative. Here's what I encourage you to do. Try and write those things down. Try and think about those pivotal points and actually put them on a piece of paper somewhere and go through your life. And then what I would do is this. I'm going to draw it up here. I would create like a timeline. And I would try and do them chronologically. And you can do this on your own. But you're creating this timeline, because I'm 40. Not yet. I'm 39. But I'm looking forward to 40. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I've felt 40 for like 10 years. Um, Zero to 40. And then you go like this. Here's pivotal point, pivotal point, pivotal point. This was middle school. No. um, Just kidding. So I've got like my pivotal points out there. And then what you do is you think about them. And then if they're a positive, You put them up here. The better they are, the higher they go, right? This one was kind of positive. This one was negative. These were awful. This one was okay. This one was okay. This one was bad. This one's kind of like mediocre, right? 
And so you put them out on a timeline. And then what you do is you're putting voice to your story in a way that you probably haven't done before. Right? I did this in college, back with a group of friends. It was a pivotal point for me. It was crazy cool. We sat down and we said, okay, we're going to take one day a week, we're going to meet together. And I met with this group of like five guys. And then you basically had to sum up your whole story in highs and low moments. And we went through and we told all these moments to this group of people. I had never shared my story with someone like that before. Honestly, I didn't even know that anyone would be interested to hear my story like that. Putting voice to it and having other people hear it, that was something else. It was transformative for sure. I learned things about myself that I honestly didn't know. And those extra pairs of eyes and ears listening to the story were able to pull out things that I didn't realize either. It was pretty interesting stuff. Now, you could do this on your own. And if you did, here's what I would encourage you to do is to look for a common thread, maybe even a theme for your life. You might have one. I'm going to share mine in just a minute, and I'm going to give you kind of a couple of examples. But when you're looking for that theme, you might stumble on a passion that you do really have, that maybe you ignored, that maybe you haven't paid attention to, that maybe you're living fully in it. Great. You might even uncover more about it, though, right? It's like rediscovering that same passion. So looking for that common thread, looking for that theme in your life. Ann and I were talking about this, and I said, you know, a huge theme of my life that I know is caring for people. It's crazy. Like, ever since I was a kid, I had so many people come up to me, and they would be like, oh, you have such a tender heart. And it's because I cry, like, a lot. <laughs> you know? And, and it's serious. Like, it just happens. I don't know what it is. But like I possess this ability to sit down with people and before like we're like two sentences deep, people will be telling me details about their life that I have no business knowing. You know, and I wouldn't have asked. But like I have that ear and I can sit across the table and my heart breaks. It's a theme of my life. I've watched it happen in story after story after story. Like I can remember... I get teared up just even talking about some of those things. I can remember every single memorial I've had to do. And I will walk into it full-heartedly to be there and to be with people and to care for them. I did it for friends in middle school and high school. I did it for friends in college. I still remember one of my friends, James Cutnow, and he he came up to me on this one day. We were down in the dining commons, and I just looked at him. And he kind of had a, a pissy demeanor anyway. Like, he was kind of like a, a rough guy. And, like, the first time I met him, I, two words. I, I thought, like, that guy's a douchebag. And, like, I just couldn't stand him. And he just, he just gave off. I was like, I'm going to hate this guy forever. And then we ended up being, like, best friends. Um, but he came down to me, and his sister had just lost her husband. And I could see it on him, you know? And he was the kind of guy, like, he would rather hit me than, like, probably talk at that moment. 
And all I did, like I knew, like I just have to be with you and you're going to hate anybody trying to talk to you. And we just went out and we sat on this curb and we sat there for like an hour together. And that's been a huge part of my life and a theme of my life. It is a passion. It's a passion that's hardwired into me and I feel like it's unique. And what's cool is I believe that every single person in the world has unique passions. And we need people to listen to them and discover them and not push them aside because, oh, well, I can't make a ton of money at it. Right? Like, honestly, I've had those discussions with people and they're like, well, I kind of know my passion, but I mean, what am I going to do for money? Right? Suffering, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Like, honestly, like I, I talked to someone and they said, I'm just, my life feels empty. It feels void of passion. But I don't know what else to do. And I feel like I can't leave my job. And I looked across the table and I said, you might have to. You might never know what's next until you stop or end what's happening now. You might never be able to take that step. You might never get to the place where it opens up and you can move into it. Right? Like sometimes there is that element of suffering that goes on. So you look for these common threads. You try and find one. If you can't find one on your own, like doing this on your own, I highly suggest finding another person that you can verbally tell your story to like this and ask them for their input. Ask them what they hear when you tell your story. That might not work for you. That's cool. I'm going to suggest something else. All of these low points probably involve suffering on some <laughs> level in some form or fashion. I remember coming home, middle school. What a rough, rough period of life. Yes? I always make the joke, like, you give anybody a time machine, you say, when do you want to go back to? No one picks middle school. No one, ever. But I remember coming home. It was my birthday. I came home. I was all excited. My parents had bought a synthesizer for my birthday. It was pretty sick. We could do sampling, and I could do beats on it. It was pretty nice. But I came in the door, and they're like, surprise. And I was like, <laughs> and I just broke down. And my parents were like, what's wrong? And I was like, I feel like I don't have a single friend in the world. What middle school student doesn't feel that at some point or another, right? The important thing is, eventually, someone says, me too. And you're like, oh my god. Someone else feels that way as well? Hang on, I thought it was just me. You're going to go through some negative turns, some pivotal points that aren't positive. I suggest if you can't find this common theme or common thread, I'm going to suggest that you look at those negative turns. This is hard. I would ask that you engage your suffering rather than avoid it. Lots of times, and I don't want to be the guy who says, everything works out for good. And I don't want to say, hey, a negative turn, let's flip it and let it be positive. But my mother told me 
after she went through lymphoma, she came out on the other side. She said, you know, I would never wish that on anyone. I don't think God did that to me. But I learned so much about life. And she's able to tell me stories and things. And I listen to her, and she's a different person. And I think when we go through suffering, we are transformed. Something happened to us. So you go back, and you visit those places, and you say, okay, that sucked. It was awful. What did I learn? Who did I become because of that? It might even be the case that after you go through something like that with the pain and the loss that's involved, you might be able to give to others in a way only because you've known that type of suffering. It's unique. Because you went through it, now you have something to offer, something to give something to put out there to other people. Just back to this for a second, though. These events could be like super minor, or they could be super heavy and monumental. It all depends on you, right? Like, it's all based on your unique personality and who you are. So something very minor to me could have been something extremely, like, just monumental to you. So when you go back through there, I mean, don't play the comparison game. Oh, that shouldn't have been a big deal. It was a big deal to you. It's a pivotal point. Let it stand. Let it be there. Look at it. Consider it. Engage all of them, the positive and the negative. Look for the threads. Look for the themes. If that doesn't work, dive down to the suffering side of it and see what's there. Engage it. Um, Yeah, I'll keep going. More to Life has been something very passionate and close to my heart ever since Ann and I stepped away from Summit County Youth. And I've had years here where I'm like, well, I have to make a living. <laughs> like, we live in a pretty expensive place. I think we could all throw our hands up at that one. But I've been like, you know what? All right. I, I'm going to try not to pursue what I feel passionate about. And I desperately tried, guys. I swear. I've done my best to pursue other things and something else. There was a time this summer I had just extraordinary circumstances kind of line up. And I was out on this run, and I had this moment where I felt like, okay, that's it. I care about caring for people, and I like more to life, and I'm all in. I'm all in. We're going to do this. We're going to do it full on, and it's going to happen. I don't even care. Like, two people could show up. Ten people could show up. I don't even care. We're just going to keep doing it, and I wanted to do it. It was inside of me. And so I'm running, and I, I come off to the side of the road, and I don't know. What are the stacks of rocks called? Karens? Karens? Why are they called Karens? How do you spell that? See, all of you guys are real locals. I don't even know who I am sometimes. So I see those things all the time. For me, it's more like a, it's more like a spiritual thing. And I don't know, maybe it is a spiritual thing. I don't know. There's this story from the Bible. It just like, marks the path. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm thinking too. 
It marks the path, right? There's this story in the Bible, and it was all about like something happened, and then God basically said, hey, mark this place. And so what they did was they built a structure of rocks, and it was called an Ebenezer. And the Ebenezer was supposed to mark the place and call to memory what happened there and what was promised and what transpired, all of it. It was just supposed to call that to memory. Mark the place, call it to memory. So I was running, and I get off on the side of the road, and I'm like, I'm going to build me an Ebenezer. <laughs> or a Karen. A Karen. I'm going to do it. Because like, I feel like this is monumental in my life. I'm like done with all of this stuff. I'm going to do this. And so like, I put one rock, and then like, I run home. You know? And then I'm out running later, and it's there. I put on that second one. And I keep like revisiting the place, right? A month later, I come, and it, someone totally wrecked it. And I was like, no problem. I'll just rebuild that. All right. And I keep adding to it, adding to it. But a month later, it's destroyed again. And I was like, come on. Like, I don't go, who goes around knocking those things down? That's what I want to know. I've never knocked one down in my life. Someone's knocking this thing down. And what's funny is, it was right about the time we were like applying for some grants for this thing and they weren't coming through. And I like didn't even have the heart to rebuild it that second time. And so when I'm throwing out this idea of suffering and passion, you know it's real. All of you do. If you're really going to chase after something that you love, something that you feel is hardwired into you, you know you're going to meet resistance. You know you're going to meet conflict. You know there's going to be suffering involved. It's not a case of if, it's like when, right? And when that suffering comes, there's probably lessons that you're going to learn. Lessons that I'm learning. Desperately trying not to avoid, but rather just kind of engage with it and figure that out and learn a, bit, a little bit more about what that looks like for me. Now, I have something to show you guys. Because there's this guy, Viktor Frankl. And he's, he's more known for, like, he, he created a lot of theories. And he dealt a lot, a lot with um, people who attempted suicide. And, and he was talking about suffering. He's done a lot of work on suffering. And one of the things that he said was, he said, when we find a redemptive perspective toward our suffering, it ceases to be suffering anymore. And he talks about being able, what? Victor Frankl. And he says, when we find a redemptive perspective toward our suffering, it ceases to be suffering anymore. It can be transformative. It can be healing. It can be something that we honestly give to the world, and it can offer other people hope. So I've got two things that I want to show you. Uh, one's a trailer for a movie that's called Stronger. Anybody heard of it? No, I know. All right. So this movie is, I think it's available for rent, maybe. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. He's pretty awesome. I don't know if you ever saw Donnie Darko. I'm just going to keep dropping movies all night long. Um, I know, but they're so good. Yeah. This young lady here is running the marathon. 
<laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> so, if you get a chance, check the movie out. He, the one, there's two things that stood out to me, honestly, in the trailer. And the one was the dad saying to him, like, I lost my son, but helping you made me feel like I was helping him. There is such profound power that comes through suffering. And that's why I wanted to encourage you to pay attention to those negative turns and to actually engage them. Now, the second one is this. I mentioned sometime last year, I was a huge fan of Linkin Park. I had to be. Like, like they're just, they were amazing. They still are. And Chester Barrington took his life this past year. And at the Grammys on Sunday, they do their memorial and they show everyone in the you know, year that's passed away. And he was the last image up on the screen. And then Logic took the stage. Logic's a rapper. I watched it with my son Silas and I was in tears. I'm gonna play the performance for you. I'm not trying to get political tonight. He's gonna say some stuff. All right? I love what he says, but we're not going to get political, okay? What I want you to connect with is this. He has a song out that is literally the phone number for suicide prevention, right? It's a sweet song. And he raps it on this stage. And the people who come out with him have all been impacted by suicide, right? Silas immediately said, like, oh, I know that guy right there. He, he tried to commit suicide, and now he does this, you know? And the power of this song is that, like, you've got a group of people, and they've been impacted by it in some way, transformed now. And now they're living passionately to this kind of a cause and about it in the world. It's a really, really cool song. So I printed out the lyrics for you because you might not be able to track with him a little bit. But perhaps the best performance at the Grammys, I thought, by far. And I just wanted to share it with you.
feel like I'm out of my mind. It's the like my life is mine. I've been on the low, I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It's the like my life is mine. Come on, I don't wanna be alive.
I think sometimes it's easier for us to click and connect with the idea of passions as being like positive turns. And I get that. And I encourage you, again, chart your story out. Find the pivotal points. Look for the common threads. If you find them by going through the positive and negative turns, great. If you can't find them in the positive turns, I would ask you to consider the negative turns. Perhaps there's a passion in you that you can find through your suffering, through what you've experienced. And the reason I show this video is, again, because I think that many times people discover their passion through suffering, and then it, we're able to actually use it. We're actually able to give it away to other people in a very positive, meaningful way. Marriages, children, relationships, jobs, careers, school, all of it's tough. I don't think any of it's meant to be easy. It's meant to be like meaningful somehow. And meaningful, man, there's gonna be some conflict. There's gonna be some suffering in your story. I'm gonna close with a quick little word. <clears throat> Remember that at passion's core is suffering. We don't tend to think that way nowadays. It's true. Where you find one, you will most likely find the other. May you embrace the slow, drawn-out process of your passion discovery. And may you take the next step and the next step after that. Make time to access your heart and consider your whole story and what possible themes lie there. And I hope and pray that you discover what noble desire is deep within you. I pray that you'll find a way to engage your suffering rather than avoid it, and that you will live with true passion as you just keep putting one foot after the other. Amen. To be continued till next week. Next week, you're actually going to have to write some things down. It's going to be kind of cool. It's almost like a little, you know, classroom work. But here's your homework assignment. I want you to go home and I want you to rent a movie before next Tuesday. I want you to go watch the movie that's called Please Stand By. It's PG-13. It's got Dakota Fanning in it. It's pretty awesome. Here's the synopsis. A young woman escapes from her group home to get her Star Trek script produced in Hollywood. With her sister and psychiatrist at her heels, she must conquer a new world full of challenges. Ooh. All right. Please stand by. Try and get that movie and watch it alone or with somebody else before next Tuesday. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Grab some more dessert. Say hello to faces you don't know, and we will be... Oh, go fight over that last dessert, and we'll see you next Tuesday, 6 to 7, when we're going to give you some real practical tips on finding your passions.